if you're a parent or if you've been a pupil at a school, and I imagine that's pretty much everyone listening, then you'll know that the school run can be one of the most testing times of the day. Well, this week's guest is an entrepreneur. She's called Rachel Beach, and she has set up Fetching. It's the free mobile app that brings the sharing economy to childcare. She has a great thought on talking to the kids and to the parents, and her innovation is absolutely key. And getting to know Rachel again, and I knew her a little bit, but getting to know her through the process of the interview was really, really warming and good fun. So check out Rachel Beach. Here she is, this week's guest on Rocket Fuel. So first thing to say is Rachel Beach, founder and the CEO of We Are Fetching. Thank you so much for being a guest on Rocket Fuel. Oh, thank you for inviting me, James. Don't be silly. So Rachel, in full disclosure, you and I know each other in a dim and distant past. Um, so if I do, for the benefit of the listener, kind of go into a familiarity, but we've not caught up for ages. What's been your journey? How have you got to We Are Fetching? Um, so I think when we last met, I was working in property marketing and uh, we were doing some projects together, which is great. In fact, I think if I remember rightly, we met on a boat somewhere Ooh. between here and Jersey. Yeah, um, you're quite right. At a, at a conference. So, um, so yeah, so we did some work together when I was in property and then I moved. I kind of felt that my career needed future proofing. And tech really was, you know, it was obvious that tech was where it's at. Um, and this thing called PropTech had just emerged and no one really knew much about it or where it was. Um, and no one had any PropTech experience. So I was, I thought well, this is my chance to leap into tech because I've got property experience. So that'll help. And so that's what I did. So I got sort of really early on into PropTech um, and worked for a, a kind of brand new property portal for a bit and then um, moved across, did a bit of fintech, a bit of sort of uh, some work for the development company. And then I decided to start my own. And I think the thing about working in tech is you realise there is no problem that can't be solved with the right technology. You know, most things are fixable. And so I decided I needed to fix the school run because it was just hellish, um, which I hadn't realised. My husband was a stay-at-home dad for about six years. And it was only when we both went back to work that I realised how <laughs> awful it truly was. So when, um, when it was so a yeah. problem that you needed solving, you uh, you really worked hard to solve it. When you were <laughs> when it wasn't directly affecting you, then uh, then I suppose there was less impact. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting actually because you were. I was working in these tech environments, and I'd kind of flirted with this idea that I'd had about parents sharing the school run. You know, the idea being there's enough resource in every school to collect every child every day, right? So people are paying nannies. And people are going in separate cars to the school. Everyone's stressing about it. And actually, if you just shared it, then, you know, you could do pick up four kids on day one and then take the rest of the week off, you know, that kind of thing. Um, then, then we'd all be a lot less stressed. Mm. All the kids would get collected. Schools wouldn't be overcrowded. Um, but it needed technology because otherwise it's a hassle to organise. And people don't like asking for a favour. There's lots of issues yes. with you know, communication with the school, etc. So that's why it needed technology behind it. Um, and uh, and I sort of told a few people about these uh, this idea, but everyone I met was already very busy on other projects. And then I got to Metal, which is the fintech I worked um, at most recently. And I met a guy there who said, well, I'll build that for you. And uh, and he did. So wow, it's as simple as that. Was, so <laughs> this is the first business you founded, is that correct? Have you always been entrepreneurial? Um, I've, I've 
founded other things. This is my first proper business. I okay. started um, I started something at the school gate, which probably was part of the inspiration um, called Mummy Wine Club, which because uh, no. I didn't have any friends at the school gate. So I I started this this imaginary club and, and took some women out to dinner to make some friends. Um, so that was like a monthly thing that I started. So I suppose that was kind of entrepreneurial. I, I founded a rugby team. So I, I started lots of things, but nothing commercial. Um, so, yes, I suppose I have always been entrepreneurial. And I think that's why I love working in startups so much, because they're small enough that you do have to treat it like it's your own business. And yes. you know, there isn't a lot of money. You do have to be quite creative. Um, so I kind of feel like I found my my home when I moved into those those companies. And how good are you at switching off? Do you, do you chill with music? Do you, do you shut the world out? Or are you one of those that's always checking their email no matter where you are? Um, yeah, I am a bit emailed. I do a yoga class once a week, if that that's counts. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Oops. But, I, but I, I still have lots of things going on. You know, I'm still a, I'm still a working mum. I've got, you know, there's always gym kits and yeah. you know things like that you've got to think of you know this morning it was the swimming kit and the trainers and you know whatever else is required the library book on a Tuesday those kind of things yeah. there's always those things in the back of your mind even when you've managed to switch off from work so Definitely. you might as well just keep it all going but also I'm one of these I've been really lucky I've always really loved what I do I've never okay. really had a job I didn't like so it doesn't feel like working if you have a job that you like I hear that in terms of your professional place and who do you like to surround yourself with? Is there a commonality of the sort of people that you enjoy working with or does everybody bring something different? I think everyone does bring something different, but I have really enjoyed, this is going to sound terrible, I really enjoy working with young people because okay. I think I was, um, I, I don't know, I think I was starting to lose touch a little bit and um you know, even the, when you've got a range of friends, you know, I mean, you look at people like, you know, my friends and family, you know, my, my husband's in his 50s, you know, he he's, um, you know, I'm in my 40s now, you do lose touch. And I think working again in these environments with very with a lot younger people from all over the world, you get so much more from them, you know, as, you. as far as kind of I don't know, it's just you feel younger, you behave and, and you're more in touch with, you know, things like stuff that you simply can't say anymore you know things like that that you kind of think oh god I'm so dated I'm turning into my father you know it's that kind of thing and yeah. um and I think uh that really that really helped um and everyone's got that kind of there's I think I feel like certainly the younger people that I've been working with recently they all seem to have a far more entrepreneurial mindset I would agree um, and that's I mean, really really nice I know this isn't what you came for but just and it sounds like if you get this fulfillment from the young people at work but I have been a huge proponent and I've done it in an informal way as a first stage of getting a reverse mentor so somebody who is younger and who can talk to you so that you're not sounding like an old gitter do you know what I mean and that reverse mentor stuff yeah, is, yeah I think I know I think it's it is brilliant and I this is what I struggle with a little bit because you do look for mentors and any any kind of advisors um, who have been there and done that you know and uh, we were talking about it the other day it's just um with uh, some some other parents saying about you know why are we stopping our kids playing video games because people make careers out of esports now yeah. you know um and yeah okay but I, I'm still you know I still think you need some qualifications in the same way if my son wanted to be a footballer I'd still want him to have his qualifications Definitely. you know esports and sports I think it's the same you know there's a there's a lifespan to it but he's saying you know we we're too old now we don't understand anymore 
and I stood there and thought, you know what, I feel like I'm slightly ahead of you. I feel like I work in tech. I have worked in yeah. tech for some time. Obviously, I didn't say that out loud, but I feel <laughs> like I'm not as as behind as a lot of parents. Um, but I feel like I still need to work really hard to keep current. That's one thing that uh, COVID has done is make screen time in the same way, right, that there is only one word for shame, but shame can be both a good thing and a bad thing, right? So mm. if, 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 you know, if, if it's shame that keeps you on putting on clothes before you leave the house in the morning, that's probably <laughs> a good thing, but there's only one word for shame. Similarly, in the parenting vernacular, there's only one word for screen time, and that's wrong too, because if screen time is encouraging them to make origami models or learn a recipe to cook versus screen time, you know, killing people with a machine gun. There are two very different screen times. So I think you raise a good point there. And, and that's one that certainly in my parenting, I'm trying to draw a distinction between positive and negative screen time. But there you go. That's, and edtechs have come such a long way as well. And during the, the lockdown, you know, things like uh, platforms like Times Tables, Rockstars, and yeah. you know, Spelling Shed, and things like that, that, you know, have really taken off. And uh, and I find that if there's a list of work to do, the ones that are digital will get done far quicker than the ones that are 100, you know, that's that's a real struggle to get those ones done. Yeah. Um, but he'll, you know, chomp through all of these digital apps that are still educating him, you know, and, uh, and we have to be very cognizant uh, of that. Rachel, give us a piece of advice that you've taken in the business world and give us a piece of advice that you've ignored. So um, the one, my favourite one is um, ask for forgiveness, not permission, which yeah, may yeah. sound terribly reckless, but actually I think it gets things done. And if you work with someone that you have a good relationship with, then you know really what you get away with. So it's not just kind of going and doing your own thing. It's not waiting to get that meeting to get that approval it's just pushing ahead because you've got the confidence in your relationship and your knowledge of what the brief is to just move forward and you know and, and I, I would say in my career I normally write say 90% of the time it was all okay 10% absolute all hell break loose you know that kind of so when you get it wrong you get it really wrong but actually I became one of those people who got things done and that's really helped me you know that kind of people who thought that about me it gave them more confidence um, and that's great and obviously as I say you don't always get it right there is a risk that you're taking um, but it was good advice that I received I think and then on the other side of it um, and this is not because it was bad advice it was really good advice but someone said to me once you um, it was actually uh, Rachel Carroll who runs Coru Kids uh, which is a brilliant okay. after-school nanny agency um, I was on a panel with her years ago and her one piece of advice was write down three things on a post-it note at the start of the day and only do those things. Just focus on those three things and get them done. Don't get distracted. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was brilliant advice. And I went away thinking I'm going to do that. And I never, ever have. I've always <laughs> got sort of seven or eight things maybe. Yeah. And then by the end of the day, there's maybe 12 things on there. You know, you kind of just keep adding to it. And that's, um, you know, not the right way to work at all. But I do kind of, I think, oh, I'll just squeeze in a few more jobs. And then you end up, not doing what you set out to do at the start of the day. So I think it's brilliant advice, but I unfortunately haven't followed it. Final question in this section, Rachel, and it, it may start to drive you mad because I may ask you to talk about yourself in the third person, but professionally, <laughs> what are you known for, do you think? Oh God, nothing good, probably. I, th <laughs> this is, I think it's, it is going back to that sort of being driven and pushing ahead. It is that kind of, 
slightly pushy, slightly bolshy kind of, you know, and it's the sort of thing that um, that no one's allowed to say about women anymore. But when I, you know, when I first started in the workplace, it was the kind of thing, oh, she's a bit bossy, she's a bit, you know, kind of forward. And now it's, it's you know, it's positively encouraged uh, to encourage young girls to be authoritative and to be kind of, uh, to show leadership. Uh, which is great but when I started out it was that kind of thing it's like oh she's a bit fierce she's a bit kind of dominant and whenever you do those tests you know those kind of personality tests mm. um I'm always red I'm always the one who's kind of like at the top but at the same time it has its positives because I, I went on a team building day um a couple of years ago in my last role and there was about 20 of us around the table and we all had to do these questionnaires and you get this report on yourself and it's all the things about this is what you're good at these are the things your colleagues find challenging about you, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and people started getting really upset about all of these kind of negatives about their personality. Um, and, and I had negatives about mine, but the good thing about being red and yeah. slightly inflammatory is that people always tell you exactly what they think of you. So none of it is a shock. You know, yeah. you're very aware of your faults because people are very quick to tell if you irritate people they tell you straight away and then you can fix it you know that's great so um so it probably is yes it's a um, probably a bit like um a bit like marmite as they say um and that's probably what people would say about me if uh, if you asked them i don't think that's positive maybe i should have said something better <laughs> perfect Rachel, uh, CEO of We Are Fetching, people that don't have children or children of a school age won't understand just how hellacious the school run can be. I have got two children, luckily they're at the same schools this year, they weren't last year, so that's, you know, things are going in the right direction. Can you bring to life, for those listening that aren't aware, why did you identify the school run as something that needs to be better? I think the issue is that school starts, so if you don't know, which obviously you do, but for those who don't know, so uh, primary school starts between half eight and nine o'clock in the morning. And it finishes between, depending on the school you go to, somewhere around half three in the afternoon. So if you work a nine to five, it's physically impossible to get there and commute to your job. And, you know, when we were all in the office five days a week, it, people were spending a fortune on childcare and it kept, you know, there was nearly a million mums who said they would return to work if they could find good quality, affordable childcare. Um, and the government pays 30 hours free childcare per week, but it's only for um, two to three year olds. It basically stops when they go to school, yeah. which is around the age of kind of four, four and a half. And you could still need up to 20 hours worth of wraparound care, which you have to find, you know, and you have to be able to afford. So people are not being able to get back in the workplace, they're not being able to do what they, they love. Um, I'm not saying everyone needs to go back to work. Stay-at-home parenting is absolutely, you know, an essential role that people do. But if you want to get back to work and you can't because you can't afford it, um, it's a real issue. And, you know, just the, the hassle of it. And I think I, having stood around and, and watched people doing this, it was... Um, it just seems mad because everyone's in exactly the same boat and the school you know and it's a challenge for the school as well on an administrative yeah. level because they've got people going oh i'm late so, you know there's people who don't make it in time yeah. um and they can't get in touch with anyone so you've got kids who are left kind of waiting around at school not knowing really where their parents are yeah. you've got 
people are communicating with the school either by phone or email saying, you know, Granny's picking up the boy tonight and they don't know who Granny is. And they don't yeah. actually even know whether it's you on the phone or email. Yeah. You know, they've got no idea. So there's, a, you know, there's an inherent security issue there as well. Um, you know, and as I mentioned, all of the, the traffic that it creates. So there's, you know, there's many, many issues that could be fixed with one solution. And, and that's really what we were trying to do. Um, and currently your solution, is it an app or is it just a website? And it's a service where, where parents can effectively say, and check in with who's going to be picking up their children that evening and the school get informed, don't they? Yeah, so we have an app for parents and then there is right. a, a secure website for schools. So they log in um, and they can see all of the children that are tagged to their school, um, who's approved to collect them, who's picking them up that day, and they can also check them out. So for schools that are struggling with late pickups, you know, they have a timestamp so they can see kind of habitual offenders if they want to. Um, you can also set up the app. So if your child's allowed to walk home by themselves, then right. when the school checks them out of school, you get a notice to say your child's left. Um, but basically you create your own network of, of support of friends and family who can pick up. So no network be the same. And it's not, there's a lot of kind of school apps, but you have to stay within the school community. Whereas yeah. for most of us, it might be, you know, a godparent. Um, there might be some friends at the school gate. It might be a relative. Yeah. Um, but you have this little network of kind of seven or eight people that you go to and ask when you're really stuck. And yeah. the app just notifies them all at once and someone will accept it. And as soon as they accept it, they are then on the list. And it's live. So in real time, if so, as a teacher stood at the school gate with your child and you're stuck in traffic, you can raise a request. And in real time, that will update in their hand and I they see. can get, pass the child to the new fetcher. Now, I don't know loads about this space. We've done a fair bit of marketing to parents um, and um, with children's publishers and with, with attractions. But to me, the sell to the parents, I think they would get immediately, but getting into schools and sometimes asking schools to change the way that they work, that strikes me as though that might have been a tougher thing. But how has it been on both fronts to, uh, to communicate your message and, and to get the, the business working, I suppose? I think the hardest thing for the on the school side is actually getting those initial conversations started. I've not had a head teacher say no to this. You know, right. like, yeah. it's free. It's super sense. simple. Um, you know, it's, you don't want to highlight the fact that you don't know who you're speaking to on the phone. But ultimately, there is a security issue, and it is very easy to kind of. Yeah. Um, if if you were that way inclined, it would be very easy to pick up a child from school who wasn't yours. And actually, since I've built this and I've spoken to a few people. I've had a number of anecdotes of people whose husbands have turned up with other people's children as well as their own because they yeah. just the kids decided they were having a play date Absolutely. so they just all you know and uh, and it happens you know it is it does happen and you know unfortunately touchwood it's you know not nothing sinister's occurred but yeah. you know it's just having that um that assurance and having the photo you know it's not down to the teachers to remember every single person and every yeah. single extended family member who may or may not pick up the kids you know just getting a post it saying um johnny's going home with brenda's mom you know that's it's not down to them to do that they've got a photo they can pair the picture with the person standing in front of them it takes the pressure off the teachers and heaven only knows they need that at the moment so how big are you right now rachel how big is the business um we're pretty small at the moment so there's about um half a dozen people who work on fetching uh we're in about uh 20 schools in london that's great. and um 
which is great. You know, most of them are sort of piloting in a couple of year groups um, just to see how it works. And um, but they're all at varying stages. And uh, yeah, but it's because it's a networking app and everyone needs to invite people in order for it to work. It sort of has this quite nice organic uh, growth to it. So that's why we've managed to keep the team quite small. Okay, and your next steps for growing the brand. I noticed on the website that you're looking at play dates as another potential use. Uh, is that going to be the, the next great initiative or are you going to crack the school run first? <laughs> so we are going to crack the school run. So Playdates is on there. The functionality is the same, really. Yeah. So you've got a network of people with whom you share Playdates. You go, help, I want a Playdate and someone picks it up. Uh, we also do dog dates, actually. And these are two things, actually. We built these both over lockdown because yeah. the schools were shut. Yeah. Um, and household mixing was an issue, but you could have an outdoor play date. And so because yeah. the functionality was so similar, uh, we just it was kind of a bit of a cut and paste job. It also helps us with revenue because it's an um, it's a premium feature. Right. So people have to upgrade um, in order to use the dog dates or the play dates um, functionality. So it helps us kind of with our, our kind of revenue projections because we wanted to solve the school run. We want to keep the school run free. So anything around the school, the, use of, um, the school's system, drop off, pickups, that's all free to use. And what do you think of first when you're when you're building something like this? Are you tech led? Are you customer led? Are you problem led? How, yeah. What brought you to, to being able to make this work, I suppose? Um, I suppose, you know, the customer and the problem are kind of the same thing, aren't they, really, yeah. you know, in a way. So, um, you know, I'm not obviously when we were in uh, during the pandemic, uh, you know, talk like it's over and it's not over, but um, you know, during the pandemic, when the schools were closed and mm. no one could do anything, you know, it was very tempting to become a bit of a features factory where you're yeah. churning out, you know, let's let's build something new, you know, panic, yeah. let's build something new. And and I really, really didn't want to get into that. But there was this um, kind of feeling from the users that we'd got from the start that that actually Playdates would be kind of a natural extension of it. So just like having a bit just like what we're doing after school, but at the weekends or in the holidays, because in 2020, a lot of the holiday clubs weren't able to open. People were still trying yeah. to work and they had all their kids at home. So, so we did that for, for them in response to the customers. Um, and then dog dates, again, the same thing that the um, everyone got dogs during lockdown. You know, yeah, now they're having to get back yeah. to the office. So people are kind of um, taking their dog to a friend so the dog's not left on their own, you know, and it's just giving that, it's more of a life management platform. What we what we are doing is not anything new it's just helping people to do it far more simply than they could do it previously let's go from if you like the weeds let's go with a helicopter view just for a couple of things first one would be and i know every every household is different but do you broadly think that mums have had a harder covid than dads because it seems to me as though even with the homeschooling it was the gender divide at the school gates, I'm I'm always a little bit shocked by. And then the gender divide it, in COVID, I was a bit shocked by. I don't know what your view is of that, whether it be personal or professional from what you've seen. Uh, I think um, broadly, yes. I mean, obviously, there are you know, exceptions to every rule. I mean, mm. personally, um, I found I have slipped back into 90s, 40s housewife because I've been at home. And yeah. I um, and I don't know why that is, because we've had in our family a very clear role reversal. If you want to stick to gender, you know, traditional yeah. gender roles, 
you know, with my husband being a stay-at-home dad and me going out to work. And he did everything. And then we had a period where we were both working and now we're both at home. And I have, you know, I, I find myself just sliding back into it. And I don't know if that's something inherent in in female makeup. I don't know if that's something inherent in the way I've been raised, where I feel the necessity to wipe down the skirting boards when I'm sat there thinking, well, that's a bit dusty. You know, I, I don't know why that is, but definitely I've taken on more than I was doing before. Um, but not because I've been forced to. I've just kind of feel like it's yeah. a, almost like a gravitational thing. Um, if I don't do it, it won't get done. You know, it's that Very kind of thing. I hear that completely. Very good friends of mine talk about how they will love going to a local hotel because at least if you go to a local hotel, even just because you're not in the house, you can't empty the dishwasher. You can't repair that bit of carpet that's been needing to be done. So it removes that kind of temptation to, uh, to do a household chore, if you like. Just to, on this talking to mums, broadly... How do you think they're spoken to by brands? How, how do you think marketers should and how do you think they do reach parents? Is it done well? Do you think sometimes it's clunky? Are there any good examples? Um, I, think, I think people actually are not too bad at talking to mums generally. I think we all, the, the issue is that it's, it's when and where they catch you because uh, you know, speaking personally, I'm sure everyone's not the same, but um, you do tend to lead this sort of double life where you are, you know, you're kind of running around, you know, wiping bottoms and, and cleaning plates and whatever else um, at home. And then you go out and you know what? It's lovely to put on a pair of heels and mm -hmm. get on a train and buy yourself a coffee that someone else has made for you and go and call the shots in the boardroom. You know, that's great. I mean, this is I think this has been the biggest challenge, certainly for me, of lockdown is. I went from going into work, telling people what to do, and they went, okay then, and they did it. And then suddenly I'm at home and I can't even get my family to pick up their socks off the floor, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's this massive kind of like, my brain is fried by this, that I, I'm kind of trying to do my job in one second and then the next second I've got this kind of mummy thing. And, and I liked the separation of that. And I know we're all talking about how we need to embrace the whole person, and if someone's a mum, we need to know that because we'll help them to do the school run after work and we'll help them with all these things. But actually, you know what? I've always loved the separation of my two lives. And, you know, saying about going to the hotel, you know, I go into a co-working space a couple of times a week just to, to have that. So I can go in there, I can be with other startup people and it's, yeah. it's all good fun. And um, and I don't have to worry about, you know, what's going to be for, you know, is the washing done or any, anything like that. Your relationship with schools is something I'm fascinated in. Do you see schools starting to behave differently? Do you see, do you think schools are looking at issues that parents may have? And, and do you think there's a demand for that? From, and maybe even an expectation of schools to be thinking differently wherever possible? Uh, I think schools have become a lot more um, tech driven. They've had to, you know, with online learning, they've had to, you know, up until... Uh, so I've had lots of people, you know, I've, I, just under half of schools were still using paper registers to record mm. attendance, you know, and then they're having to plough that all into census at the end of the year. So, you know, they really, they have digitised a lot. When it comes to the relationship between parents and teachers, I think it's a challenge for them. I think there are always some parents who are in it for the rest of us. Um, <laughs> you know, there are people, and, and you know, and I speak to a lot of heads and, and, you know, most of them, you know, they'll say, you know what 
we don't get a lot of complaints but when we do they are vicious yeah. <laughs> you know um and uh, you know I sit on a, a school uh, school governing board you know so I hear about teachers who are just getting these really horrible emails from parents um and I don't think so I don't think schools are concerned with the issues of parents you know we are there's a very clear cutoff and that cutoff is the school gate and so what we're trying to do is build a platform that bridges the yeah. the communication between parents and teachers solves the problem for parents makes life easier for teachers but you are going to have to work together guys and you know what that's probably the biggest challenge that we've set ourselves because parents think teachers have it easy teachers think parents need to sort their own kids out you know we do this bit you do this bit you know that kind of thing and I think um and I don't think the pandemic has helped that at all I think people got really tense and I think yeah things were said and I you know and I think it's still quite raw for people I think it was really, I mean, funnily enough, having my daughter go to one school and my son go to a different school, we broadly said my son's school had a good COVID. There were, you know, lots of lessons. My little boy, Fred, was on Microsoft Teams sometimes before me and my beautiful wife were up, you know, he was that (laughs) into the group. My daughter's school, in contrast, they didn't do that much. They said that there are some worksheets available. Now she is younger, but yeah, I completely agree with you. I think a lot of things have been said. And and still now I think there's a kind of a residual kind of bitterness. But I also think that the only reason why parents are spiky and are biting back is they've suddenly realized just how tough it is to keep children entertained between nine and four every day you know and it's it absolutely is and I think you know homeschooling was I mean I went into homeschooling with so much enthusiasm because obviously you know the schools are shut my business was basically kind of like there was nothing I could do right I just had yep. to ride out no one knew that it was going to be three days three weeks three months so I kind of, I was on pause uh, so I was like, well, I'll just throw myself into this. Then I had yeah. whiteboards, I had markers, I had a I had a Kanban board for my son's workload, right? I, I was a proper tech mom loser. Yeah. And uh, but I was going in full, you know, all guns blazing until I realized my son really didn't want to do any of it. So yeah. I had all of this enthusiasm and then this child that didn't want to learn. Um, so after about two days, I was banging my head against the wall like everybody else. Rachel, my plan, I had an entire day of lessons themed around tins. So <laughs> tin maths in the garden, tin towers. They were gonna have, for art, they were gonna have to draw a picture of a new food that they think should have been able to be served in tins. For writing and comprehension, they had to write down ingredients uh, to then go to, it was a great day. That was day one. By the end of that day, I was out of inspiration, you know? So yeah, <laughs> it was a tough. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your previous experience because I noticed you work for Metal, which is a bit of NatWest, which they, they advise startups and new businesses. What was the most common thing that new businesses and startups were doing and were they doing it wrong and has that stopped you doing it? <laughs> so I think the um, so the NatWest venture um, metal was like wholly owned by, by RBS NatWest group. Um, so they had a few of these in this innovation hub and metal was a small business bank. And I think what they had tried to do was they put us over in a in a co-working space and they hired all these cool developers and everything um and kind of left them to their own devices to be creative and cool and but just put a whole load of cash behind it 
Yeah. Um, and that's great. But then I think they started wanting to know more about where the money was going, obviously, as yeah. any big investor would. Um, so there was a lot of reporting back into the bank and the, the pace of the two was very different. I see. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, really that setup, um, it, you feel like they should be able to take over the world, right? You've got like a really yeah. strong team of really good startup people who've grown small businesses and a massive funding injection. They should be able to walk all over the their competition who are just, yeah. you know, four guys in the basement. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think sometimes the, the you know, the larger organization, I don't know, you know, they could be feeding them customers, they could do all yeah. of these kind of things. But of course, there's so many different people involved in it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there were there were, it had it came with its own challenges. But I think the the one thing that um, that did have because of reporting to this kind of higher power was a very clear kind of business plan of what they were going to achieve because they had to because you know they're working in companies that do three-year five-year plans you know whereas other startups I think you can get distracted and I think that's something that I thought I would never do and I have to regularly bring myself back in from saying you know from going off track you know it's very easy to have a shower moment I know what we'll do we'll do this yeah. and I think I've seen a lot of startups who've been right today we're going to focus here and then the next day it's actually scrap that we're doing this now and it's far easier to do than I ever expected and I find myself having to stop myself doing it. if I hadn't experienced it firsthand yeah. I would definitely be sucked down that line of so so clarity of thought and tunnel vision I suppose are the two things that you you think are essential I think so and I think the you know the pandemic didn't help because people are pivoting and it's like do you pivot do you wait how far do you pivot you know do, do building a new feature is one thing changing your whole business mm -hmm. and if I change my whole business am I going to have a still still have a business when things go back to normal again you know and you have to kind of make all these you don't want to be slow you don't want to overthink things but you do need to to have to know what your path is I think you know know how you're getting from A to B and then make a conscious decision to change it rather than a spare of the moment decision to change it. So I'm still here with Rachel Beach, and it's come to the part of the interview that we call the rocket fuel. We're going to be asking Rachel to give some practical insights, some takeaways, some nuggets of information that our audience can uh, place into their daily lives. So no pressure, Rachel. But the first thing is, what do you know about parents' audiences? If there was one thing that you could say. Um, they are incredibly busy and I think they uh, well they're incredibly busy and they're slightly uh, competitive as well so there are different types of parents you know working parents normal working parents and one thing to know about them is they are uh, they, I suppose it's, it's one of those things it's like you know you're incredibly busy you might have five things in a day, you might have 10 things in a day, but whatever's busy for you is busy and you can't compare because some people have got a very well-behaved kids, some people have got more challenging children, some people have got, you know, help, some people don't, you know, it's all the same thing. And I think people start getting um, kind of judgy of other parents because they think that, um, you know, their, their lives are better, harder, whatever they've got. But I think yeah. overall, all parents are busy. We just need to acknowledge that. And your situation is your situation and you can't possibly judge anyone else's because you're not there. Um, and I think 
that's what we need to you know let's not encourage competition between parents because there is enough of that as it is um so that's kind of my my one insight don't you know don't give anyone too much don't you know don't give anything too much to read too much to do any any extra steps they have to take they are just too busy for it okay and that's i'm guessing one of the reasons was simplifying the school run that that was one of the lead thoughts in your head when you embarked upon this business uh, it was i mean there's a and I still have people saying to me, well, I could just use WhatsApp. Um, and it's like, yeah, you could just use WhatsApp. There are 12 steps in that journey. There yeah. are two steps in my journey. You yeah. know? And it, so it's that kind of that's that kind of thing. And I think I um, I don't know if this is not an OK thing to admit, but I organized a play date for my son using my own app um, over the summer. And I was actually slightly shocked about how easy it was, <laughs> even though I built it, I was just like, well, that's it then it's just done is it you know i pressed the button it was sent off someone said yes i'll have a play date with your son and and it was done and that was it i didn't have to do anything and then really you know good. it just turned up at the door at the right time yeah. and i was like that's that's quite an embarrassing thing to me because i've designed this <laughs> and i've designed it to be easy but even i was slightly blown away by the difference and how simple it made it when talking to parents which brands and you don't have to name names if you don't want to but it could be an example but who gets it right and who gets it wrong when talking to parents i think it's it's very difficult because i think there's a there's there's a line where people uh, need to know where you know kind of where they fit so you know like john lewis is that kind of brand that everyone likes marks and spencers is that kind of brand that everyone likes um but they're good at talking to parents, but they're not good at catering for young people. Same with supermarkets, you know, supermarkets are really good. Um, you know, they know you, but they're not so good with the young people. So like their clothes aren't cool, you know, that kind of thing, you know, so you're great at talking to mums and their mums go shopping there to buy clothes for their kids and they're just not cool enough. So yeah. there's a bit of a disconnect there, which yeah. I think they could do really, uh, they could do a lot better. Um, you know, I mean, TikTok is the one, isn't it, for the young people at the moment that I think is, is doing well. Um, and but I think they need to be better at talking to parents, you know, so that no one seems to have bridged it. Do you know what I mean? They've got, you've got brands for one, brands for the other. No one seems to bridge it. And I don't know if that's because once your parents on something, once your mum's on it, it's not cool anymore. If your yeah. mum's there, it's not cool anymore. You know, and maybe there's a thing about the relationships with children and parents and, and brands are never going to cross that because once you're in with one, you can't be in with the other. Well, it's interesting. We, we're talking in the week that Facebook are rowing back from their Instagram for children app that they were considering launching. Um, depending on who you listen to, it was going to be they wanted safety at the heart of every child's online experience, or it was a cynical way to bolster up Facebook users in the future. Um, do you ever see a stage where your app will have a children's functionality that can be checked by parents. Could that be a thing, or do you want to stay well away from that? It is. It's, it's interesting. Um, it is something that we're thinking about because we've got this. Let's say you know you you want to uh, continue to grow and you want to retain your customers, right? Our customers have a shelf life of seven years at the moment. You know, so we we're enforced by schools, so you turn up at your school, you download the app. You use it for seven years your kid leaves the school you no longer need the app right yeah. um so we don't have an attrition rate because for every kid that leaves i've got another one coming in the other end so that's great for for me and my news base but uh, but then i the, i don't see those children until they have their own children 30 years later you know yeah. so um so how do i go about that um and lots of people have said okay well this um this you know shared 
picking up from school stuff, you know, are you going to move on to senior schools? What about nights out? I've just picked up three kids on, you know, three 18 year olds on a night out at two o'clock in the morning. Are we going to do, are you going to use the app for that? And it does have that extension, but at the point when the kid is sort of maybe 12, 13, 14, it stops being help. My kid needs a lift from this party. And it starts being help. I need a lift from this party. So what functionality can we build in to transfer a child's profile over to themselves so they then instead of having a parent own a child's profile how can that child then take control of their own profile and starting raising their own requests yes. to help when they need being they need being picked up and they then have their friend network of other parents and people that they know in you know their support group it might be grandma it might be the neighbor whoever yeah. that they can call upon when their parents aren't around um you know what are the implications for that but it needs to be some kind of handover so that we can yes move on and because those kids also might start to become the fetchers themselves where they can pick up yeah. other younger siblings other young people from school um at the moment we need to nail primary schools but that's kind of it is quite a big thing on our horizon and it's keeping that customer in the in the family for as long as we can until such time when they have their own kids and then they get back in again and final question, and this may be from something we've said, or this may be in response to how rubbish my questions have been, so you want to bring something else to the listeners' attention. But if there was one takeaway for everybody listening, what would that one takeaway be? You can be as commercial, as salesy, or as uh, entrepreneurial, or, or high-minded as you want to be, Rachel. Um, I suppose uh, I want to be entrepreneurial and high minded, but I, I feel like I just need to say download my app. I don't know. Right. I, I feel like it's, I think it's <laughs> I think it's the thing that, um, you know, we are small, we're early stage. And whether you are uh, an entrepreneur or whether you are a parent or whether you're both, um, I just love some feedback, love to know what people think about it. You know, at the moment, as I say, we're working with schools people have to use it they don't have a choice but ultimately I want to be loved by my parent users so um, any thoughts or feedback please download it give me a shout let me know what you think amazing and Rachel if people did want to find you where can they find you they can download the fetching app from the apple play store or our website is wearefetching.com brilliant Rachel thank you so much for being a guest on rocket fuel I really appreciate the time Thanks for having me, James. Only two more episodes left of this series of Rocket Fuel. I'm sure you've enjoyed them, but do tell others that you think could get something from our podcast. Give us a nice rating uh, wherever you download your podcasts and tune in in a fortnight for our penultimate interview of the Rocket Fuel series. Uh, You can find us at wearerockethq.com across social media. See you very soon. This is Rocket Audio.